Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everyone, to the show. This is Mike Abadir alongside Gina Bacola, and we're going to be talking everything sports, previewing upcoming big events, and recapping the Kentucky Derby, which is going to be our starting point today. Once again, Bob Baffert is king, comes through with what looks to be a super horse. And before we even go any further, Gino, let's just focus on Justify and his performance. Let's get your thoughts. Yeah, he was uh, really impressive. Um, he's had a nice trip. The one thing that's it was frustrating uh, from a handicapping standpoint is the rain. You know, when the rain comes into it and it, it becomes a sloppy racetrack, we saw a wet, fast seal track last year. Um, it gives just another variable that's, that's, you know, they all have to deal with the slop, but it's just one thing that with the Derby in particular, we see these horses training for so long, pointing for this race. We really want to see a fast track and we would like to see everybody, um, how they would race on a fast track. If the slop affects some, if it doesn't, I mean, generally we know that most of the horses towards the middle of the pack and the back of the pack really get the mud in their face, they, they're getting splashed around, and in a big field like that, in addition to the the sloppy weather, it's really hard to come from the back of the pack, and that's one thing that we've really seen, Mike, in the last, you know, six years, uh, five years in particular, because Orb was the one that came from off the pace. In the last five years, you know, we've seen all favorites, and we've seen horses that uh, I don't think any one of these horses was be- was farther than a length to a length and a half out of it at any point in the race when we're talking about California Chrome, American Pharaoh, Nyquist, Always Dreaming, and Justify. Um, So for me, as a a gambler and as a horse player, it's starting to get a little bit, I don't want to say frustrating, but we remember that the, the point of the Derby was always, this is the most difficult race to win. This is a race with 20 horses with all these variables and now, whether it be a couple different reasons why, but, you know, a lot of it has to do with the point system, and we don't see the cheap speed horses really in there anymore. Um, but when you look at a race like this this year's, you have to wonder, because most of the horses who were good last year early on, they were still in this race, Mike, you know? So, like, the horses who were good early on at two this year weren't necessarily speed demon type cheap speed horses who can't go that far. Because remember, Bolt de Oro was good from the very beginning. Good Magic was your juvenile winner. Frenzy Fire, uh, Free Drop Billy. Those are all horses who were good at two. You know, we, and we saw them succeed at two, but they, they are not like cheap speed type horses. And, and that's what we've seen in the last five years. We just don't see those horses who maybe were sprinters who got some Kentucky Derby points in the early races at Del Mar at Saratoga as two-year-olds, and they just can't go that far, but we know they're just going to try to get involved in the early pace. That just doesn't happen anymore. It seems like every horse sits that same exact trip in the last five years, and I, it's awesome. We want to see the great horses win, but I want this race to be a crazy race. I want 
I want us to look back after the Derby and say, gosh, the best horse didn't win that race. I want us to say it was difficult. The horses had trouble. And then who's the best horse in the Preakness? That was kind of always the way that the story was. It's becoming a little weird with these favorites winning the Derby every year. It's it's pretty clear cut that the California speed is dominating right now. That's just what's happening. And, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I agree with you to a degree. But isn't that kind of like saying, you know, OK, in football, defense wins championships. Yeah, and I, say I, five, I knew six. Yeah, you know, I was going to go there probably. But I, like, knew, I, say, had it, I knew you were going to go and I was waiting and yeah. I was waiting just because. The but, old- but hold on here. Let's just say five, six years in a row you have like prolific offenses putting up 40, 50 points a year. Does that cheapen the Super Bowl? Does it make it for less compelling football? Uh, these things are debatable, but don't they go in kind of waves and cycles? Yes. I mean, well, f- the, f- the thing about football and even basketball, because basketball has kind of changed in that sense too, because basketball is even quicker now than it used to be. And it's basically threes or layups for most teams. You know, they're, they're trying to learn the way to play basketball now, and there's no more really mid-range. There's really no more post-up. But for me, the difference that comes into it versus every other sport is that there is no horse racing without gambling, plain and simple, right? Football, baseball, basketball, there's gambling in Vegas, and there's fantasy, and there's gambling. There's always going to be gambling on sports, whether it be legal or illegal, but yeah, but the they exist without it. Exactly. That's the difference. There is football because, you know, football is existing because of the TV deals, because of the, the con- you know, all of the deals they have. That doesn't exist in horse racing. There's no television contract that's going to save the sport every day. Like we see in baseball, they get their regional deals that, that you know, put all the money back there. That, that's the main difference with horse racing. And that's the one thing, too, is when we see the coverage of horse racing is that we have to remember that as much as we want to try to make it covered like a big Super Bowl, like a big event, it's a gambling event. You know, but, that, but then doesn't that the make it? But then doesn't that make the current trend more appealing to maybe less appealing to you and I, who are experienced, you know, horse players and and have been been playing the game for a long, long time, but maybe more appealing to the average American, you know. Isn't it, isn't it the case that, you know, when favorites win, then the most people are happy, supposedly, but it's usually like the hardcore ones that are not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, we know the name, but but the, the real, the real thing is, is of all of these horses, these are all young. We don't really know on a, on a national grand scale, very few of like a, if I were to walk up and ask one of my friends that doesn't watch horse racing very much. They wouldn't know any any of these horses, right? No, because they haven't been around long enough. Like, uh, like the average person on the street wouldn't know who Good Magic is, you know, Absolutely or not. or Bolt Oro, you know, or nope. any or any of them. So, um, so I wonder, you know, I wonder because that's that's the one thing that I've always, I've always kind of been conflicted with ever since I was at TVG and all the way through is as a horse racing community industry. Who are you marketing your product towards? Who are you pointing your product to, right? Because are we trying to get the people who are just watching? I mean, how many people who tuned in to watch the Derby are going to come back on Sunday or like are going to be playing the races today or Thursday at Santa Anita, right? That's, That's the main question. So 
do you want to make sure that you because for me i always i like to compare a lot of things to wrestling right and I, I feel like wrestling sometimes and horse racing are pretty comparable because they're niche sports that go through their popularity up and down but they have a crazy fan base you know the people that are into them are pretty rabid and are pretty hardcore about how they are into them but the way that i feel is i feel you know if you do your your supporters best if you just treat them the best if you maybe um, you, you don't want to dumb it down too much for your everyday viewer because then you're going to kind of eliminate them. You know, if you make it too general, too general a viewing for just the people that are going to tune in, then you might turn off your hardcore viewer. So it's such a difficult, it was like the show Luck that was on HBO. I kind of, wa- I was watching it and I, and I thought it was entertaining, but when I was watching it, I was wondering, is this just like a mainstream show? Are you marketing this towards horse racing people? Because what it was doing is, if you're a horse racing expert, you're one of those people who you watch the show and you're picking it apart, saying, well, that's wrong. That's not right. This isn't right. But then how many novice people are just going to tune in to a horse racing thing and be interested? That's just kind of one of the issues that racing's had the last, I mean, forever, as they've kind of started to struggle from being one of the, the big mainstream sports. So, Well, there's a couple I, I thoughts about that. You made a great, point. You made a great uh, point, though. Yeah. Go ahead. No, your, your point on just the the favorite the horse that we know the most about from a general public is probably the best that horse winning. Like when American Pharaoh wins a triple crown, sure. it, they say it's better for horse racing. But, you know, it, people might know the name from a gambling standpoint. What does it do? How does it move the needle? You know, how to, um, you know, and, and is it setting a tone? Like are more and more people now looking at the Derby going, OK, maybe next year I'm not going to spend as much money in the Derby if it's going to be maybe more of a form for race. Sure. Well, I, I want to address a couple of things that you said, because you make some pretty valid points. First of all, we already know what NBC's feeling on it is. Just by watching the telecast, you, you could already tell that they are focusing their attention not so much on the hardcore horse racing avid fans that are playing Santa Anita on a Thursday and Penn National on a Wednesday, but that they are kind of their approach is maybe more widespread, more general, dumbed down. You know, we're going to look at that tire and who are the celebs that are here. It's kind of a cross between entertainment tonight and, you know, maybe a a reality show. And then there's this two minute spectacle that happens and then back to, you know, the watered down version of the telecast. Right. So we already know NBC's take on it. I wonder, is that based on an executive producer's decision? You know, their creative board sitting down and talking about it or is it based on data i have no idea but as it relates though to well, think, any of these well, niche d- things that you're talking about like you know when you're talking about like luck for example or how about la law or any of these legal shows you sit next to an attorney watching any of the shows and they're like that's not true this isn't true yeah no, medical, that's a joke. And, and, and the medical, and the medical shows, shows and all this you know it's everything is going to be the same exact way when it comes to you know what you're talking about the experts in any of these fields will think it's kind of a joke Although I wonder if because it's so niche, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, so, like you or I will turn on a medical show or a, or an, a police show just in the background because, but like, is a regular person going to turn on a horse racing show? That was, that's my whole thing, you know, um, because for, for us, we can still relate to what's going on throughout the show. The people that don't know horse racing, though, you wonder, are they even going to, are they like kind of checked out right away? And I think, you know, some of it has to do with, you got to remember like NBC's not whether or not it this is a gambling thing they're not they're not selling a website 
right? Like TBG is always pushing a website. ExpressBet is pushing a website. Twinspires is pushing a website. They're pushing people to get to their website to bet. Even though this is a gambling game, NBC doesn't really care. You know, they don't. They're not really making any money off of if the if the money if the handles up. They just want the they just want people to watch the races. And so, what, and what you've seen now is that they they've really forced you um, because when you look and they'll say, oh, the ratings are up. Well, n- really, the ratings are up because this is the only place you can watch the races. But, but wouldn't, they ha- out, wouldn't they, they have a vested the interest everywhere else? Yeah, but wouldn't they have a vested interest in the handle being up, right? The, even though it's not going through their portal, let's just say TVG and ExpressBet and all the different sites and the, you know, I, I guess not the OTBs, but you know, at least let's just talk focus on the websites which you brought up. If there is great demand for them and everybody's got an out, turn over to NBC, flip over to NBC to watch it. You know, then an increased handle will benefit them in terms of ratings. And if the ratings are up, they'll get more sponsors. So it's a kind of a trickle down. I mean, I honestly don't know, but I don't think so. I honestly don't think that they care at all about that. I think for them, it's just it's covering the race, showing the race, because if they did care about that, I think they're they're The way they produce the show would be different. Right. Because if gambling was more if like if they were really caring about. Making it a gambling about gambling, about making money. This is a sport about betting, and this is the reason why. I think there would be more of a focus on wagering throughout the show. You don't see very much talk about wagering at all, you know, and you don't see very much talk about what's a smart wager, what the takeout is, you know, um, is this wager going to, you know, just little things like that, like better education, you don't really see. They're just kind of pomp and circumstance type stuff. So I, I don't Well, I could don't that be? Know. Could that possibly be because they kind of, expect that if you're hardcore enough to tune into us that you already know that stuff and if you're not hardcore to that extent then we're gonna lose you but if we throw in maybe an eddie O every once in a while who people respect and like and he's kind of been hot when he's been on the air you know and he'll talk about his exacta play and this and that that for the hardcore player that maybe is enough to be satisfactory and the reality of it is that those hardcores are only going to tune into us for the actual live event, See, I and then they're going to so. move on? I don't know. I, In my opinion, I think it's the opposite. I think if you do your crowd best, and you just com- give, like, listen to what your hard, your most hardcore audience, their, their issues, their complaints, deal with them, because those are the people that you're dealing with 365 days a year. I think if you please your audience, that that's going to be the big trickle down. Like, I think if you have a happy hardcore audience that 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 it'll send a message like you or i will go to other people and be like man horse racing is going because i gotta be honest i mean and you know you and i you're you're generally a little bit more optimistic and i'm a little bit more bitter especially when it comes to not bitter bitter is probably the wrong word but it's because i've been in the beast and i've seen the way things are so it just kind of frustrates me the way things work if if and when things go well man i go tell all my friends and it's like a great word of mouth good you know, good vibe thing. And then, I mean, if you, you go on Twitter right now, horse racing Twitter is not a very happy place. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of this and that. What can be fixed? This needs to be worked on. This needs to be fixed. So for me, I think if horse racing just took a few steps back and said, okay, let's listen to some of our most hardcore fans. Let's take, let's listen to what they want on an everyday basis. I think just the good mojo from the horse racing world would start to expand and people would go, man, they lowered the takeout a little bit. Um, we're getting these, uh, you know, these shows that are really focusing more on, on gambling. Um, I've learned a ton, man, I, I learned a lot the other day. They just like had a 30 minute show where they went through all just little things like that. I think, 
this is just my opinion. You know, who, who the hell knows if it's right or wrong. But um, well, how many of the viewers do you think turned to NBC at three thirty p.m. Pacific time because they saw an advertisement or a commercial on The Voice? or on any of NBC's other shows, and they're like, you know what, I'd kind of like to see that. That's the one time I like watching horse racing per year, and how many are the hardcores? I mean, well, just that, that's my guess. Point, guesstimates. I, I want say those 50, 50, people... 80, 20... Oh, I, dude, I'd say 90. 90% of people that are just tuning in because they saw it on the... on the. I mean, think about how uh, the commercial-wise, because on a general standpoint, there's the horse racing world is just not very big anymore, period. You know? So for for so that's a, the case, then I guess you kind of have to cater to the but see this majority. Is, I don't know. I don't know the I com- That's where I disagree because when you have a person that tunes in and you see what they see, and then they think that's what it's like all the time. Even with the, even with the pomp and circum, I'm not saying you want to. You're going to be filming a video in the doldrums of the basement. You know, I'm just saying you need some some. You need to be talking about it as a gambling thing. Gambling, and, and I, I know people don't like saying that word. It's like it's got like a bad stigma when you say the word gambling. But the funny thing is, it's going to be legal everywhere soon. That stigma has got to get away. Like in a year, in you know, like when we watch a baseball game, they have how many different stats now? Stat cast, all the ex- exit velocities, all the off the bat. Like, does that turn people off? I, I mean, I'm just asking you. I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying it like a, in like in football, you know, like. Football doesn't really go as hardcore into the stats as some of the other, uh, like, as we do see in, in baseball, even in basketball a little bit now starting to get pretty hardcore. Well, um, I'll tell you what, though, I, I, to answer your question, uh, I think that's a really, really good question. The World Series, because that draws in a lot more casual fans, I bet you if we go back and look, there isn't as much of that stat cast kind of conversation during the World Series. But I think they probably figured oh, that. Dude, no, it was all through the World Series. All through the World Series, because I, I, mean, I, I was watching the whole thing with the Dodgers. I didn't miss an, an out. I mean, all throughout the World Series. Um, as, trouble, the, as a regular season game? Almost identical, because I think that's where they want to flash that stuff to you. They want to show you that's what this is all about now. You know, the, like exit velocity. They're showing you, um, you know, the uh, hard hit balls. Um, you know, they're showing you spray charts. And, you know, in the NBA now, they're showing you exactly like individual charts. So... I think that that's why I've gotten a little bit like kind of confused and scratching my head because as every industry kind of expands their analysis and like in their, you know, we have, and we have guys like Eno on our show to talk about all the analytics and, and how deep they get into it. It seems like horse racing is kind of going the opposite way and they're going to like more basic and more general and more basic and more general. And that just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because we have so much information in horse racing. There are so many statistics, which kind of piggybacks. And I know we're coming up, coming close on the break, but we can continue on with this topic. Kind of piggybacks into our buddy Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. I'm not sure if you saw, but I did. I Craig, did. Unbelievable. Awesome. Let's tease that for for the 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 break, and let's tease that when we come back. We'll talk about what Craig found out. There was a big mistake with the, the chart that came out from the Kentucky Derby. And we'll mention Craig. <laughs> Craig was just doing a great job finding all the mistakes they had in there. And apparently it's a little bit more prevalent than we'd like. And you actually turned me on to that notion when yeah. you were talking about, you know, Place. the track man's comments. And you told me, hey, don't take them for face value at all. 
you need to make sure that you watch the race replay to verify what you see with your own eyes because I guarantee you it's not going to match up with the track man's comments. Exactly. I'm glad you remember that. That's Absolutely. why I like all the replays. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Let's pick up the combo because I think it's an interesting one. Let's take our first commercial break. Stay with us, everyone. We will continue the dialogue and also talk a little NBA and Major League Baseball right after this next commercial. Be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. Mike and Gino here talking a little Kentucky Derby. Started off by talking about Justify and Justify's performance. Baffert's fifth Kentucky Derby victory. Transitioned a little bit into the NBC coverage and some of the things that we've noticed. What can be improved? What are the things that they've done right? Uh, I think the HD footage of the race is fantastic. That's probably the best thing that I could say about say about it is it's a very crisp picture. Uh, I like what they do. I think that average person probably enjoys the coverage from that perspective of the actual race. We've transitioned a little bit into uh, a few other topics, but before we move on to a related topic, I will say this. The whole coverage thing is kind of a farce anyways, Gino, because the average person watches it and they're like, wow, the racetrack experience looks like a blast. But then they go to their local racetrack, and it's nothing like what they're seeing on the Kentucky Derby anyways. 
So it is its own event, unlike any other sport. You know, you go to a football game, even when you go to the Super Bowl, it's not that dissimilar. It just may be a little bit more electrifying. You go to a baseball game, same thing. Kentucky Derby, though, there's not any other race that's going to have 150,000 people present. There's probably very few races that even have 20 to 30,000 present around the country. Um, You know, outside of the big tracks for their big events. But I want to say one thing before we move on, and it's kind of related. It's actually a good transition to the next topic. I think that NBC would be prudent to adopt a lot of the things that you're talking about, Gino. But here's an idea for you. What if they actually gave out PPs for race 12? So click onto our website. You'll get the past yeah, performances. Oh, and then I maybe mean, on Twitter, maybe, they could follow through. They could, I mean, yeah, we've seen with and, the and iPad maybe, and stuff, it's really click, easy to pull the PPs up on TV. You could pull yeah. it up on the Apple iPad for a minute and let the guys handicap through and just yeah, show. Provide PPs. And you, what you could do, even do is, is have like, um, you know, log onto our website and there'll be a live explanation. Maybe you just pick Tutorial. the favorite. Yeah. Maybe you just pick the favorite and you start, hey, let's start with Justify. We're going to explain to you what the, what the what these fields mean, what these numbers mean, what, you know, explanations in order for you to be able to look at the rest of the horses on your own. It's maybe just a six to eight minute tutorial and that's it. But I think that would be at least a nice starting can, point. If you I want agree. to bring people into the game, let's adopt some measures that make sense that can. It's all about retention. So if the next time that somebody watches a race is next year's Kentucky Derby, have we accomplished anything? Probably no. not. So I think those are some of the things that, that we could do. Now, I'd speaking of, uh, of PPs and, and, and racing forms and data and information that's provided to us, I know that you picked up on something that was picked up by one of our good, awesome guests, Craig Milkowski from Timeformer US. What is it exactly that he uncovered? There was, there was like 10 errors in the chart for the Kentucky Derby. I mean, just error after error after error. With this, is the post, this is the post-race chart. Okay, so after the Derby is run, after every race at every racetrack is ever run, maybe like 30 to 45 minutes after the race goes official, a chart will come out. In that chart, it'll give the full order. It'll give every basically all the information that you need to that race. The full order of finish, the horse, the name, the connections of the horse, the owner, trainer, jockey, um, the time it's of the race, like a major the league baseball uh, box, box score, score. It's a box after score. the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. Per- perfect way to put it, Mike. So it was completely wrong. And the major issue with this is that it's not like in. It would be like okay, the box score was wrong. So if you have Yasiel Puig going four for four, and Yasiel Puig was really zero for four, what is that going to do to his batting average, and his on base percentage, and his OPS? All of those numbers are going to be are going to be compromised because of that and, statistic. And, and, and the growingly popular fantasy sports do, where there's daily sports where a four for four could be the difference between somebody winning or losing. So Absolutely. there's actually money on the line, which is kind of sort of similar to horse racing, but to a much greater extent, horse racing. This is critical. So what ended up happening is, you know, there were horses in the running lines, and it would say like Bolt Dioro was a neck in front of Flame Away, and. And Bolt Dioro would actually be four or five lengths in front of Flame Away. And some people out there are thinking, well, big deal. What's the big deal? Well, that's the difference in a speed figure. You know, that's eight to ten points in a buyer or in a, you know, in a thorough graph number. That's that's going to sway it one way or the other. So, I mean, the thing is that and more than anything, 
why and how are these mistakes being made, Mike? You know, that's the thing. We, we don't see them in other sports that much. And especially if, the, if that kind of mistake is being made on the Derby, what's happening on like a Wednesday at Thistledown? You know, like how do we know that there aren't mistakes being made in every single race? And you know how I do know is that this is the reason why I'm such an avid replay watcher. Like, because I've noticed things from 15, 10, 15 years ago when I really started to get into watching the replays a lot. I would look at the comment line and I would notice and it would not be anything like what happened to the horse running in the race. Just like you said before. And and someone who I really would have conversations with this about a lot was Matt Carruthers. And because I, I looked up to Matt a lot. He was one of the people that I kind of modeled my game after and how I handicapped the races. And we we would look at races and be like, that was not what happened to that horse. That I, I honestly and, and that's what that's what ends up happening is it's human error. So how much with your money, do you want to completely trust somebody else's running line? That's basically like me saying, I'm just going to purchase someone else's analysis, right? And that's what I do all right now for Bruno with the works. You know, you can purchase for 15 bucks the analysis that I'm going to give you every day at Santa Anita. And, and I've taken my time to look at all the replays, to look through all the charts myself. So if you guys find a mistake on there, that's my mistake. And that's the, that's the issue is... I want to go look at those replays myself, and if I make a mistake, I can live with that. But I don't want to take someone's word that this horse sat fine trip and then faded, and then I go back and watch the race, and the horse is loaded on the rail with nowhere to go, and they never tell me that this horse has a ton of trouble and can't get through. Now, now just to make sure we're clear, this was something that was uh, talked about on Twitter, on social media, by Craig Milkowski, who is with Timeform US. The mistake was not made by time form you no no he, he picked he up on it from yeah it was he, an equibase chart mistake and so what craig does is he he goes through them on his own to make his own speed figures for time form us so a lot of he he does this craig is one of the sharpest guys you'll meet that's why i love having him on i love have uh, i love following him on twitter if you don't at time form us figs because he will go and do the the timing of all the races himself with the run-up and he'll notice that race is mistimed. There was a, a bigger run-up or a shorter run-up than they said. You know, he'll just, he'll pinpoint certain things. And what bothers me is, is if one guy like Craig can find that, like, wh- why is that happening? Like, why is there, why aren't there more people checking and balancing and making sure that these mistakes are not made, especially when it's my money and your money, Mike, and Craig's money and all of our money that's, that's keeping this industry alive. We gotta be more accurate with this stuff, without a doubt. Without that a was doubt. Craig's tweet. Ecrobase really has to do a better job. Many errors I see could have been caught pretty easily with better tools and praise. I've even offered to give them a few and was rejected. You know, it's unreal. It's unreal. You'd think there'd be a little bit more oversight. You know, kind of like a you know an editor in chief. Uh, you know, some kind of process where somebody does a review of the final data before it's released or something. I mean, I don't know what their internal checks and balances are, but obviously something has to be done because it is a a data-driven sport. It's the bottom line. I I can tell you, for for example, from working at TVG, a lot of the times it's just they don't get checked. I mean, the graphics that go up, they don't. And I I would get frustrated because 
Um, it's frustrating when you're on the TV and a graphic pops up and you see it and you know immediately it's wrong. And it's like, why did this graphic get up on the TV? And now I'm sitting here, there's a wrong graphic under my face and I look like an idiot, you know, because <laughs> I'm the one that's on there. And uh, sure. and it, was, it would be very frustrating. And I think a lot of it has to do with just, there aren't enough people, you know, behind the scenes. And I don't know if there ever will or would be that just that no racing. So the people in the graphics department, unfortunately, wouldn't be able to even notice that there was a mistake on there. And I wonder a lot of the times if like, and that's what's frustrating, obviously. But the person Equibase, who's char- I mean, I how can Equibase, thing, Equibase not have the, the right person people? who's writing the chart obviously was watching the race, right? But they're just going through things like lazily. Like you could, as soon as Craig put the videos up, it's like, you're watching where the horse is finished, and it says a neck, and there's obviously five lengths in between the horse. That's just something that, like, you would have, like, I would have, like, like, we're talking about my friends that don't know a name of any of these horses. My friends that would have looked and been like, that horse didn't get beat a neck. That's a neck? You know, that's exactly what somebody would have said. They would have been like, dude, that's that's a long neck. That's five horses worth of a neck, you know? And um, it just, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. And then what happened? I'm out. So most of this was going down like Saturday into Sunday into Monday with Craig kind of going through the race over and over, rewatching it, retiming it, seeing what the difference is. He he reached out to Echo Base. They did. They did. They made a mistake. They did. Gino, let me interrupt you because uh, there seems to be a little bit of a connection issue. Uh, we'll see if we can get, work that out. But you're not coming through at all. It's it's very robotic. So uh, let's see if we can get that figured out uh, because we're missing half of the good stuff that you're saying. But, you know, to piggyback on on this and, and then we can move on to the NBA, you know, the bottom line is there's not enough oversight in the industry. And you, you think that Equibase being as reputable as they are, um, you know, even though, you know, some of these data companies kind of monopolize, you know, the, the, the I mean, where can we go? What are our options? Daily Racing Form, Equibase. I mean, there's only like three or four out there that we can even go to. And not everyone has enough time to be able to watch all the race replays. We have to be able to trust that the information that we've got is credible, is accurate, and impeccable, really. To me, there's there's no excuse for this, not even once a year, but let alone, you know, several times in a weekend, especially in the biggest race run annually in America, if not the world. Absolutely inexcusable, terrible that it's happening. But, you know, uh, we comment on it all the time. There are many issues that need to be resolved in horse racing, and that just one amongst many. Let's, uh, let's shift the conversation a little bit to, well, before we do, I, I do want to say this. Uh, my top four choices in the Kentucky Derby that I gave out last week were Good Magic, Justify, Mendelssohn, and Salamini. Uh, obviously, Good Magic and Justify made up the exacta. Uh, Mendelssohn just didn't show up, was clearly in over his head, and uh, that was very, very disappointing. Salamini uh, put forth well, a good effort, and, and I think might we might hear from Salamini again later. Any idea, Gino, if Mendelssohn is going to be competing in, in the U.S. in any of the Triple Crown races, or is he going back to Europe, or, or any news on that? Well, he, he got destroyed um, out of the break. He really had no shot. Uh, so I, I'm i I'm willing to excuse a lot of the poor performances from um, 
from anyone really because I just to justify I got a great trip and I'll, and you know a horse like Boltioro I loved I loved what I saw from him he sat right with justify he tried to go with him and he couldn't he just wasn't good enough and he backed up Mendelssohn though never even got a shot he got and this is the second year in the row, in a row where the, those like 14 15 16 gates are when they come out and, and where the two starting gates are there's a lot of trouble in, in that area so um, I'm willing to just kind of give a pass to Mendelssohn and we'll give him a look uh, for next time. But you, I got to give it up to you. I, I wasn't too high on good magic, but you were you were uh, in the good magic corner for sure. But we just we couldn't get any real big prices to to complete the, the pretty chalky, I think, $141 trifecta. Yeah, I, I've never or in recent memory can't remember it, such a huge discrepancy between the try and the super. I mean, I think everybody uh, in hindsight, 2020, everybody's like. Heck, if I would have known it would have paid 20K, I would have played it. You know, I think a lot of people were probably turned off a little bit from the $1 increment. But let's face it, if it wasn't a $1 increment, it doesn't pay 20000 bucks. And, I mean, it's still regard ran huge. It's still regard. I don't know if you watched it still regards like individual replay, but it, some of the folks out there, if you have it, go back and watch his race. He, he was really impressive. And he was a horse that a lot of us dismissed. And I actually have him in a fantasy uh, horse racing league that I'm in. So I was rooting like a mother for him, but I, I did not see that happening uh, prior to the race. But um, got to give it up to Craig. Just another example of the California yeah. domination, though. Yeah, got to give it up to Craig. Um for uh, for pointing out the um, the mistakes like that because that's that's yep. what we need as betters and uh, great great job by Craig and we'll uh, maybe we'll get Craig on um, we'll have someone on next week to talk some Preakness so we'll maybe we'll get Craig on and we can uh, we can talk a little bit about that chart and then preview who's going to be showing up for the Preakness as as of right now Mike it's looking like it's going to be a small group lining up but the Justify Foot Bruise is kind of in limbo he did go out to the track this morning and he looked pretty good. But I just I hate hearing anything like this. It always gets like I, I I don't like any when anything like this starts to happen. I I don't like the word the feeling. You know any issue. First it was supposed to just a scratch. They were saying that something was irritating the bottom of his foot, and now it's become a foot bruise. But he worked or he, he galloped this morning and he was okay. I, I'll just tell you this: for a horse who's gonna be you know, one to two in the Preakness. I sure don't want to bet on him with with all of this. I'll, I'll just say that. I, I He could win, and he will probably win, and the most likely winner and all that. But if he does, it's going to be, with my money, either not involved in the race at all or on someone else. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I would never even wager on a one to two anyways on the win end. You know, perhaps it's a... You know, clear-cut single, um, you know, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, you know, any of the horizontals, you know, not sure it's going to be worth it, especially if it is going to be a smaller field. You know, what? You know, seven, eight-horse field, you can't play tries and supers. If it only paid 140 in a 20-horse field with, with uh, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, three to one, two, uh, five to two uh, on top, you know, uh, one to two, it, it's going to pay peanuts. So... And they're From a wagering perspective, you know, I don't think it's going to be very intriguing. However, we, let's just say that the injury is minor or is completely not a non-issue. Is it pretty safe? Anything can happen. Is it pretty safe to say that he will move on to the Belmont being two for two and a triple crown possibility? If so, is he bred to go the distance? Are we going to see a triple crown winner? I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess it's just I. I don't see it with him. Um, I think he's very, very good. I, I just still, I still, I don't quite feel it with him. I know I, he, 
will be very likely to win the Preakness. And we're not going to really know who's going to run in the Preakness, I think, until the entries come out. Because all of these other connections, all of the other trainers and owners, they're waiting on Justify. Um, what was funny is right after the Derby, we kind of heard from Ruiz on Bolt Oro. Um, we heard from Chad Brown on Good Magic, kind of, and, and a couple others that were like, we're very, we're very cold on the Preakness. They're like, yeah, we'll probably come back in the Belmont or we're going to, we're going to kind of take a little time off. And then as soon as it was like, Justify might have an issue, they all came back and said, oh, well, maybe we will be in the Preakness. You know, they don't want to really de- deal with Justify right now. Um, so for me, a horse coming back in two weeks, this lightly raced, might have an issue. You know, he's facing this top caliber of horse for the first time. Even if he does win it in the Preakness, I will definitely be lining up to take a shot against him in the Belmont with one of the fresh horses that come in. So um, we'll keep an eye on Diamond King, where he's going to show up. He's a a horse who I liked at the beginning of the year. He won the uh, Federico Tessio, which is the prep over at Laurel Park to get in and qualify for the Preakness. And he did it coming off a layoff when he was he kind of had to miss some training because he was sick and he did it pretty impressively. I don't know how good he is, but he's a horse that's going to be on some of my tickets if, uh, if I'm playing the Preakness. So let's keep an eye on Diamond King as we come up on this break. Uh, do you recall who's the trainer on that one? Yeah, Service. Yeah, uh, the horse is legit. Well, he's Service is good with, good with the youngsters. Yeah, th- they were actually going to uh, run the horse this weekend in, or they they entered in the Peter Pan, but most likely are going to scratch and run in the uh, in the Preak. Well, that'll be interesting to see. Might get a good number on that one. Let's take our next commercial break, and when we come back, let's talk some uh, NBA Western Eastern Conference Finals and uh, maybe a, a note or two on the intense Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. It is back. Stay with us. We'll be back in a quick moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. We're talking big game adventures this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. While most seasons are still months away, that doesn't mean we can't start preparing for our fall pursuits right now. Joining us is Jenna Waller, host of Skullbound TV, Derek Ratliff, president and founder of Horizon Firearms, plus Tom and Nick of Become One. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Fascinating conversation about the Kentucky Derby. I could probably talk with you about that for an hour or more, Gino. But Especially let's once I get on my uh, on my yeah. soapbox and start <laughs> pitching, right? Yeah. It, well, <laughs> you're spot on with everything that you're saying. So, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a need for someone to raise these issues. And I, I'm glad that we have people like Craig, yourself, others who aren't afraid to say it and to point it out. And that's the only way that things are going to improve out there. So, you know, props to you guys for, you know, being the voice for a sport that you guys are passionate about and that you love props to you because you actually correctly selected the final four teams in the NBA playoffs. We have, uh, now we know exactly what the conference finals are going to look like. We're going to get golden state at Houston in the West, and we're going to get Cleveland at Boston in the East. And when we made our selections, you nailed them. That was a great, that was a good job, man. You had, you hit those cold. I think I had Philly against Cleveland. So that was where I ended up missing, but Spot on, my They're friend. probably about a year away. A yeah, year yeah. Away they, I mean, they noise. were good. They were probably a little bit uh, farther along than anybody expected this oh, year yeah. Philly, too. So, you know, um, and, I, and it was funny. When we were when we had our, our last basketball segment, and I was I remember the conversation was me selling you on, let's talk more about the playoffs. I swear this, this year's playoffs is going to be way better. And you were like, eh, it's kind of chalky. It's kind of formful. It might be kind of boring. And so in a weird way, we were both right. Because the first round was awesome. We had two seven-game series. We saw LeBron almost go down. We had a great series between Boston and Milwaukee where we kind of saw the Greek freak and Giannis starting to come in to be one of the bigger stars in the league. And then the second round was just abysmal. Between the, the four losing teams, they only won a combined three games. We had it one sweep and then three 4-1 wins. So it That's was unreal. just... How does that even make sense? How is it that the Cavs and Celtics, their toughest matchup was in the first round rather than the second round? Is it just a matchup thing? Yeah, total Uh, matchup thing. Toronto, and like, if you're a team like Toronto, what do you do? Um, How about this stat? LeBron is 23-0 in Eastern Conference playoff series since 2011. So like, what do you do if you're one of those, you know, pretty good teams in the East, but you don't have LeBron? You, You you, you, You look out West. And you're you, you're you're Clippers East. You, you gotta know? look at it and say, you know what? Clippers looked at it. We're not gonna be able to overcome this hurdle, being the Warriors as is. We gotta break this team up. Yeah. Or look at the Rockets. Even you know they're like, hey, we gotta shake things up. Yeah, we may have one of the top three players on the planet and Harden. We gotta shake things up a little bit, or else we're not gonna get over the hurdle. And they brought in Chris Paul. So you either have to add dramatically or break it up. Because. It's so funny when you think of the teams that LeBron has um, kind of dominated. We're we're going all the way back to the Pistons with like Tayshon Prince and Chauncey Billups and and Wallace. You know the Wallaces, yep. and we're going from them to the Boston Big Three team with yep. Pearson Garnett. We're going from them to like 
like the Atlanta Hawks team that was really good with with Horford and um, and with Teague and with Millsap, and then that that team got blown up because they couldn't get by LeBron. And then we had Paul George's indie team for a little while was good, and they took LeBron in a series, and then they got blown up. And then LeBron went to the Heat, won with them. You know, it's just like it's amazing how he's just dominated this Eastern Conference for so long, and how many teams that were pretty good teams that you know in any other era might have had a year where they could get to the finals in a down year for another team but it's just unbelievable what this guy continues to do um he he's gonna have to go on the road again though now and he's gonna have to try to beat a very good boston team that is very very well coached and even without some of their best players it's one of those things mike it almost is a blessing in disguise. Yes, they don't have Kyrie, and we know Hayward had that injury at the very beginning of the year. But it's like instead of Kyrie, they're a little bit better on defense because they get more Marcus Smart. You get a little bit more Terry Rozier. Those guys are better defenders than Kyrie. So maybe you lack a little on offense, but you do upgrade a little on defense. So, you know, the talent is there. It's kind of fun. You get a good coach and some young Celtics players, guy like Tatum right now is incredible. And then you got LeBron, and, and and LeBron, anyone who wants to get to the finals, your path has to go through LeBron again in order to try to to take on one of those big boys in Golden State and Houston. Without a doubt, and not a big sexy name, but what will be very key in any playoff series when you're talking about the Western or Eastern Conference Finals is going to be depth and uh, the name that I'm referring to, which could be a vital factor is Shane Larkin's health. If the Celtics uh, aren't able to have him be a go, they may be in trouble. But it'll be interesting because, you know, defensively, like you said, they are a great defensive team, schematically speaking. You know, they're well coached. coached. They know where to be. They trust each other. They believe in each other. Al Horford, you watched Horford, um, and when the game got tight and it it was, you know, back and forth, they go to Horford a couple times. He gets their big buckets. He's just so calm under under pressure down the stretch. He's been there before. Um, so that'll be a really fun series with Boston and Cleveland. I, I so just who was your pick? I had are Philly, you changing that pick? I had Philly making it. I had Philly beating LeBron and making it to the final this year. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Cleveland. Um, this Cleveland's playing the best they've ever played. And I think we, we all forget that. Playoff LeBron can just take it to another level. You know, oh, yeah. he really just takes it to another level. And this when might it comes be one of his best uh, performances in the playoffs so far. I think it. I think it probably is. I really do. I think since like the since Game Four of the Indy series, they looked like they were going to lose in that first round. Indiana was beating them up. They looked like they were done. And since then, he has really dug deep, and he's he's kind of just said, you know what? I'm going to go back. I, I screw the trades that happened this year. I just want the guys that I that I like on the court. I know where they are. And he's basically just said, okay, I want to play with Corver, with Love, and with Smith, and give me a little Thompson here and there. And George Hill's played played better, but um, it's it's one of the more impressive performances we've seen from LeBron. And so as we kind of transition over to the West, well, uh, I'm stick. I, I predicted the Cavs. I'm sticking with the Cavs. Yeah, I'll but I think I'll the Celtics Cavs. might tighten things up a little bit. Maybe may go seven. I, I think this is going to be a much more competitive series than people think or giving them credit for, especially because Kyrie's out. But I think they'll be able to stretch this uh, series to the limit, which might not be a bad thing, by the way, because uh, I don't know. I I wouldn't want to be sitting 
taking too much of a break. You know, people say, hey, when you're an older team, you need that break. You need that time. I think it throws teams off with the rhythm, especially in baseball. You see that all the time. That's why you have a lot of favorites in, in baseball lose because they haven't played for, you know, almost a week and their timing just uh, gets thrown off. And that's got to be the case also with basketball as well. Yeah, let's shift to the West. Golden State at Houston. I think Houston is plus 160 if you were to bet the money line right now, which is pretty crazy because they're at that is home. Pretty crazy. And I think just a couple weeks ago, it was very close to even. Houston is 51 and 5 when Chris Paul, Harden, and Capella have all played. So does Chris Paul finally get through and make it to the finals? I'm going to say yes. This is a this is going to be okay. a fun series. This is going to be a really fun series. And um, and Golden State is going to have to play very well in order to get by Houston. So I, I think so because I think Houston was built for this. I was more worried about Houston choking and maybe blowing a series that they were overlooking a team. This is what they were built for. This series right here. I, I'm expecting a, a awesome performance from Houston. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play Houston, and I, I might play Houston if I can get that plus 160. That's a, that's a nice number. I, I will say this. I agree with you. I'm taking Houston as well. But if they do not make it for whatever reason, doesn't matter what the excuse is, or knickknack injuries, or somebody gets fouled out, or suspended, or whatever. You're done with them. You're done they, with they, them. They, I'm this done with Chris Paul. Chris Paul, okay. this is his season. If he doesn't do it this year, he ain't going to do it. Bottom line. Just not going to happen. You know, and we were talking about Toronto and whether to blow them up or not, by the way. One team that I thought of historically in sort of recent history, which kept, you know, kept the team intact year in, year out. They'd make it to the playoffs, win the first round, get knocked out in the second round was the Utah Jazz. They stuck with that core, Malone and Stockton, and they finally after, what, maybe 12 years or something like that, were able to get through into the finals. Now, they lost, uh, but they didn't break up that team. So, you know, we've seen it kind of happen both ways, but usually if it doesn't happen, you're not going to win the world championship. Yeah. Just you, not going to. You just know now. And, and, and what we've seen is it's just not – it does you no good to be average or slightly above average. Nope. It, just, it does you no good. You're just going to stay in that purgatory forever. So exactly. you're better off struggling for a few years like the Lakers, for example. I didn't I didn't like the last couple of years. They weren't fun to watch, but what did we get out of it? Wow, right now we've got a core now with Lonzo Ball, with Kyle Kuzma. Uh, who knows if Julius is going to come back, but we got um, Ingram, Josh Hart, some really nice pieces because of the losing. Now we have a team that with one star in two or three years, this could be a team that could be there for four or five years in a row. You know, that's how did I know that you're going to bring the Lakers into the equation when we're had talking you. about the Western Conference Finals? Had but, you? Yeah, no, I knew you had you, to. Do it. I, with, I knew you couldn't help yourself. We saw with Philly recently because yeah. you you have to be either really good or really bad. If in because if you're in between, you're never going to get those assets that are going to make you better. And that's that you have to struggle through it a, a few years, and it's not fun as a fan. I'll tell you when you when you're not sure if you're rooting for your team to win or lose, it's not fun because you, you're going. Uh, it's probably better for us if we lose, but I'm still a Laker fan. This is this is fun. This is frustrating. I don't I don't know what to do here. So um, I am excited that we get these um, these four teams left. I, I probably would have preferred to see Philly against LeBron just from a maybe the young up and comers against them. But we do have a good four left yeah, in, the, so in the in the I finals. Think they should they should be compelling events. Now I know we want to talk a little bit of baseball. We're we're running out of time here. We got about 45 seconds left for the show. We'll uh, I will just say that the Yankees Red yeah. Sox Yankees Red Sox rivalry is back. 
let's give the Dodgers another week or two to see if they could get things going, especially after Turner comes back. Yeah, but just this might not back. be their year. They just got Puig. You know, I've, I've gone up and down on them a couple times. They're, I, I still feel like they should be worse than they are. So the fact that they're still just kind of hovering only a couple games below 500, I think they do still have a shot. I, they feel to me like they're worse than that. So they're going to start to play well at some point. They're going to go on a little bit of a streak. I don't think they're going to win the division this year, though, because Arizona's good. But I still think they'll, they'll find a way to sneak back into the playoffs and get a wild card. Let's pick up some baseball next week. We'll also talk a little bit Preakness and may even bring on, uh, whether it be a horse racing guest or an NFL guest, we've got a, a couple things in the works here. So make sure you tune in. We'll give a Twitter announcement. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.